0: Hello. Hello. All
1: right. One second. Hi. Should be able to. Hi. My name is Siegfried. Uh, sorry, having a little technical difficulty. Sure, so understand. Just a second. So no problem. hold on one second.
0: Sorry, I'm using a different
1: computer. Hello, my name is okay. I'm a, um, Jefferson's tech Tech director. Um, I'm using a different computer today, so it's a little interesting. Yeah. It looks like Jefferson is on. He's, uh, he's uh, tidying up his little studio there. But um, if I could have you uh, to uh, talk a little bit um, just to uh, see how your audio is.
2: Uh, yeah, how, how am I sounding?
1: Uh, just uh, tell me about uh, what What did you have for breakfast?
2: What I have for breakfast, <laughs> I had a waffle and sausage. um I eat that typically for breakfast. And I just want to know note that I was worried I was in the wrong room because there were two links given in the in the hand from oh. the previous. Yeah, so I was in another room and. It's like, okay, why is no one here? <laughs> uh, why does it say October 25th? And then I have found the, the right link. So uh, I made it. That's
1: good. That's good. and Great that you're here. Um, if I could have you um, move back from the camera just a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, well, the is thing is we're going to have you um, probably, I'm not doing a good job of it, but like it'll probably be uh, kind of uh, we letterbox you uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, edit the video. Okay. So um it'll be like a little bit. Yeah, and if you could just point it down just a little bit more, just kind of like just middle of like so your head Is that in the middle of the
2: frame. In the middle of the frame. So like yeah.
1: that. Yeah,
2: that's perfect. Okay.
1: And then, oh, a little bit lower. Let's try a little bit lower.
0: Uh, I'm sorry. Uh the higher other way. Higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. better yeah that's better okay Good.
1: Cool. there we go awesome okay and then um yeah so um and also where are you located
2: i'm in uh, cleveland ohio cleveland
1: okay because mm-hmm. so we're just gonna put that uh underneath you uh um, sure where, where you're located so wow all right um so uh i don't know where jefferson went he'll be on in just a second all right um
0: and let me double check here. Let's see if you-
1: All right, and Jefferson, um, do you hear me? Yeah,
3: I just have cable management challenges.
1: Oh, story of my life. Yeah, I can hear you. All right, excellent. Um, the keynote is uh, should be on the Google Drive um, at the bottom of the Google Drive. So should, you should be able to see that
3: link and download it there. It's not on the, on the Google calendar event. It is definitely not there.
1: No, it's not on the Google calendar event. It's on the Google, uh, the, the one sheet, the, your, the one sheet, the one with the, the Google drive, um, that has all the information, everything on it. Uh, it's, a one,
3: it's a one piece of paper. You mean the script? Yes. And it, it, I'm at the, it, you're saying it's on the bottom of the one page intro on the script? Cause it's, there's nothing there on the top of the page.
1: Should be at the bottom of,
3: yeah. Oh, the bottom of the yeah. document? Oh, the Correct. bottom of the document of the script. Okay. Correct. All right. So that's page like six. Sure. Page four. Thanks,
0: Siegfried. Yeah. I, I don't have access to it.
1: Okay, I'm just gonna email it to you.
0: It's requested access. Okay, once again.
1: All right, so it should be sent to your Gmail account.
3: Is that how you want
0: it? Yes. And there's
1: yeah, play slideshow and window and and then um, we're not recording to uh, YouTube today, um, so we need
3: so, to so have what, so 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 I'm so not
0: seeing,
3: you, uh, uh, go ahead go ahead. No, no. I, t- tell me what. Tell me what to do to make this play. What, what do I click on?
1: Um, it should be play slideshow and window. Um, right, that, but what,
3: what's the tab? Cause there's no tab that's called that. Do you want me to go window or play? Sorry, sorry, sir. We're having this. Do I go to play or window? I
1: don't know. Let me double check on Keynote here. Don't have it on here. Let's see. Um, it should say up on the top, uh, should say play. And then you scroll down to play slideshow and window.
3: It's, it, it does not have that option. It does have a show presenter display in window. Do you want that?
1: No. No, it should say play slideshow in the window. Don't have um, that option. Well, uh, you're able to do it right now. Uh, I, I would just let it go. It looks like it's going. And then it goes I when move I click your cursor it. Off.
3: It goes I'm when sorry, I click again? on it. It goes when I click on it.
0: OK. I just clicked on it. So okay. Yeah, I clicked on it again.
3: So if you, you can, you, I don't know if you can see what I'm pulling down, but here it gives me, the options are yeah. bring all to front. If I go to play, it says show presenter display window. Nope. Oh.
1: Um, um, they must've just updated that software cause it just used to be just play slideshow in window. So. Okay. So I'll just do
3: that, um, so what do you want me to do?
0: Uh,
1: I, well, I, you had it working, so I, I would just let it
3: go. It does, well, I'll just get started. No, the reason it switches is because when I click on it, it switches. See there, here, I switched on it, I clicked on it. Okay. So we'll get started, because this has got to be the most fun thing, possibly, for you <laughs> to enjoy.
1: Um, but I need you to re- make sure you record onto the ATEM that's over to your left.
3: Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, there are three buttons, three red buttons that are, there are three buttons that are on and red. Okay. So, um,
1: okay. So it's recording.
3: I think so. I think there's recording all this.
1: Okay. And then is the roadie uh, recording? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. And, uh, I would say uh, break a leg and it looks like you're ready to go. And then um, I'll just uh, stop my video here and stop my audio and you guys are ready.
3: Great. Sorry. Thank you so much, Reggie, for your patience. Yeah, no secret. problem. Thank you so much. For, thank you for your time, Sake. Today, apparently we're talking about critical race theory which I'm not sure is a thing that exists. And partly I'm trying to figure out is whether or not it exists. And if it does exist, how? And however it exists, how does it manifest itself? To do that, we're talking to Reggie O. Reginald, C. O. professor of law at the Cleveland Marshall School of Law, or I guess College of Law. Mm-hmm. Do you, you prefer Reggie? Do you prefer professor? Do you prefer Eminent archon, how would you like to be? Uh, re- Eminent archon, to?
2: Oh, that sounds good. But no, you can call me Reggie.
3: Very good, very good. So I'll start with that first question: mm-hmm. Does critical race theory exist?
2: It yes, it does exist, and it's it's been existing since the 80s, the late 80s, when um, it was founded. At you can actually point to a founding moment. Um, at the University of Wisconsin, where they held the first critical race theory workshop. And from that, uh, since then, there's been critical race theory has been off and running, and there is a a huge body of scholarship that we call critical race theory. It started with law and legal academia, and it spread through all other kinds of discipline. And it's quite amazing, actually, uh, to, to know about just how much it's expanded since it first started. I'm sure when they, when the first uh, critical race theorists convened in Wisconsin in the late eighties, they had no idea that it would spread beyond legal academia, but it definitely has. So yes, there is such a thing as critical race theory. It's not like Santa Claus.
3: So what is it?
2: What it is now that is much harder to um, that's a harder question to answer. It's, there's no clear definition of what critical race theory is, and there's no you know there's no consensus on what it's about. I think I can reduce it to some of the basic aspects of uh, critical race theory, and hopefully this will help and give you some sense of what critical race theory is about. So I, I would ta- think about critical race theory in terms of the problem it tries to address the end goal of critical race theory, that the end goal that they seek, and then how they go about trying to achieve that end goal. Okay, so I'd start with the problem that CRT is seeking to address. It's about systemic or structural racial inequality in various aspects of society. Uh, But when we talk about critical race legal theory, it's focused on structural systemic racial inequalities, in our legal and political systems and reproduce and produced by our legal and political systems. So that's the problem. And then in terms of the end goal, the end goal is to eliminate right structural inequalities and to further racial justice, equality, liberation. And then the means, um, how to achieve the end goal. Uh, the means are the tools and methods uh, that focus on race as a unit of analysis. To uncover those systemic racial inequalities, determine how those inequalities are produced and reinforced, and then provide remedies for those inequalities. Um, And when we talk about means or tools, when I think of critical race theory, I think of method. It's a way of looking at society, the world, the law, politics, to figure out um, where and how racial inequalities exist, and then to do something about it. Um, so I would start there with a definition and you can see how broad that definition is. And a lot of scholarship thinking can fit under that broad umbrella and really to call something scholarship, critical race theory, part of it is self-identification. In other words, a scholar says I'm doing critical race theory. Um, so that's the broad understanding. And then I think I would focus on the method. Right, um, I think the crit- critiques of critical race theory focuses on its effect on um, whites and white children, but, and how it's, how it's treating whites as those who are privileged and oppressors. And that's not what critical race theory is about. It's not about labeling white people in some way. It's about method, tools, uh, tools of analysis, to get at and uncover racial inequalities. And then obviously, once you do that, saying here's how these racial inequalities exist in our systems, then to do something about it. So that's how I would define it.
3: So I want to get into that more, Mm -hmm. to actually understand what Mm -hmm. is at issue. Like a lot of Americans, I think their first exposure to it was, because Fox News seems to really not like it. Right, okay, I like think it's a really bad deal, and that means there's now millions of Americans right. who are more confident that they are deeply opposed to racial race theory than probably who could define it. Okay. Right. So, my guess is, right, you know, there's got to be a third of the people. Maybe it's worse that already or, or, have already concluded that this theory mm. is bad. Right. Right. But I'm not sure there are a third of the American people who could define it. <laughs> I think it might be two percent that could define right. it. <clears throat> How did it get so, I don't know, popular, unpopular, notable?
2: Uh, it was a deliberate strategy. Um, I can't name the f- person, but a person basically bankrolled, provided funding to create a c- controversy over critical race theory. And then um, a particular uh, conservative theorist, uh, political theorist, Christopher Rufo, then took off and started writing heavily about attacking critical race theory, um, using disinformation, exaggerate, making exaggerated points, really um, not really telling the truth about critical race theory. And then it it was off and running. And then Fox News picked up on it. And then it got repeated the whole, you know, daily, right? They would talk about critical race theory and all the negative, negative aspects of it. And and there you go. It was literally, a controversy over critical race theory was literally made up, manufactured by specific actors. And uh, it just, I think in 2021, that's when it was towards the end of the campaign, uh, in 2020, the presidential campaign, when critical race theory started to become part of the news cycle. And then it jumped in terms of uh, exposure and, Level of um, right level of exposure jumped in 2021, um, especially on Fox News. And there, there was I was at a, a presentation where a person talked about they could actually talk uh, pinpoint how often critical race theory came up on Fox News, and it was dramatic increase uh, in the early 20 in early 2021. And then once that started, that just it just got. It just picked up momentum from then, then on and it seeped into pu- public popular culture. And now virtually a lot of conservatives think critical race theory is being taught in schools, uh, elementary and secondary schools, that it means certain things. And um, that's actually, a lot of that is actually not true at all. So that's how it got started. It was actually de- a deliberate um, I don't want to say con, but it was it was some a deliberate strategy to make critical race theory and a political issue.
3: How did you get engaged with the question? When did it when was it get on your radar
2: screen? Well, uh, I've been in legal academia for about two decades now. Uh, I can't believe I've been teaching for that long. And I I wouldn't say I am a critical race theorist, but I All my friends are, all my colleagues are critical race theorists, and I've been part of critical race symposiums and conferences, Um, and I'm a friend of critical race theory. And I think a lot of its methods are sound, make a lot of sense in getting at racial inequality. So I've always, I've been interested in critical race theory for a very long time. And then in terms of the article I wrote about in the Washington Monthly um, earlier in the summer, Actually, I was asked by the, one of the editors to t- write about it and said, What, you know, give us your take about the critical race theory controversy. And I wrote the article, and that, and so in terms of writing the article, that's how I got involved. Um, I was asked about it. And since then, it's been critical race theory has been on my um, radar in terms of. Its impact on politics and democracy rather than the actual theory itself for some of the reasons I talk about in the article.
3: Do you think, first of all, then, mm-hmm. it, the, part of the discussion about critical race theory that we might have is actually what it is what does it mm, teach right. and what's worth learning? Uh, another is what is the discussion about it, right? The shadow—the shadow being cast by this right. phrase—seems much larger mm-hmm. than what this thing actually is. Some number of law professors, right. you know, trying to get published, right? Uh, the uh, it, and therefore, even how to get into it is tricky for me. Like even what the most interesting questions to ask are tricky for me. I guess yeah. I, but where we're, some of my—I'll lead with my frustration—is uh, this, in part, an example. Of people in academia who are not prioritizing the uh, not prioritizing the messageability of their work, uh, and therefore leaving themselves open to becoming uh, political footballs, uh, rhetorical recor- rhetorical devices for large and small media entities all around, and not really thinking about um, how is this going to play in Peoria
2: well in legal academia I I would have to say I am still shocked and I just it just baffles it's baffling to me that something like critical race theory a very esot- kind of an esoteric concept um, limited um, for a long time to legal academia has now taken this gone this uh, taken on this life of its own and everyone right has at least heard about it and the, and um, have Maybe even have some opinion about it. And so I'm surprised that it has gotten this traction uh, personally. So um, I, I think, and then in terms of the response, I think you're getting to uh, why isn't critical race theory talked about? discussed, written about in a way that could appeal to someone in Peoria and people, people in Peoria could understand it. Well, it's legal academic theory. It's high theory. And so it's really not meant, it was, it's meant for other law, lawyers and law professors. That's who read critical race theory. And there was, I don't think anyone who's a critical race theorist ever thought it would get into the mainstream the way it has. And so it's it's almost left legal academics scrambling, critical race theorists Scrambling because now they have to respond, and the thing is, they're legal academics. Academics are not, poli- you know, are not political operatives. They're not focused on messaging. That's not what legal academics do, right? So it's not like, oh, why aren't they uh, doing better counter messaging about critical race? Why aren't they making it more accessible to the general public? That's really not part of their job description, right? They're they're about writing. Law review articles, books aimed at an academic audience. And so, if to the extent that there needs to be counter myths, I think there are now critical race theorists who are realizing they have to do this counter messaging and speak about critical race theory to the general public. And that's just starting. Kimberly Crenshaw, a, a founding critical race theorist, has a think tank which is devoted now to developing counter messaging. And uh, but it's really and that's maybe that's why there's a hole in the counter messaging with respect from the left or from liberals, uh, because the people who has the most knowledge about it, right, are not they don't do messaging, and then the political operatives who would do messaging, they don't know much about critical race theory, and so maybe that's part of an explanation for why there has not been a strong counter messaging response against the attack on critical race theory.
3: And I'm thinking about messaging and counter messaging, maybe just like picking a title, because I want to, I want to understand what it is. And then we maybe we can pick a title together, or maybe Mm -hmm. listeners could propose a title. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: As I understand it, I think maybe from your article, there are four basic themes, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I'm not talking about the shadow that's been cast on a wall by big and small media operations and political operations, but actually some people who said, hey, let's publish a couple of papers about this thing. And I think you identify four Mm -hmm. major themes of critical race theory scholarship. What are those major themes?
2: Well, in my article, I said the first major theme, and I already mentioned it, uh, racial justice. The goal is about critical race theory is about achieving racial justice and racial equality. And I mentioned in the article, it's, the emphasis is on actual racial equality, actual racial justice, not racial justice or equality in name only. Um, so it's about really about improving the concrete, concretely the lives of um, mainly people of color, but I, as I talk about elsewhere, it's not just critical race theory. is not just limited to racial justice. It's more, it's broader than that. Um, at least now it used to be, it was it was uh, more, focused when it was started, but it's much broader now. That's the first aspect or theme of critical race theory. I think the second theme is that in seeking to achieve that goal, it's really trying to figure out what race and racism is really about. It's about engaging with reality and the complexity of race and racism and racial inequality. And, uh, That is important because I think there's a tendency to simplify issues in regards to race. So for example, people often uh, cite to Martin Luther King and say race, uh, racial issues can be reduced to not treating people by the color of their skin but judging them on the content of their character. And they reduce it to that statement critical race theory says, no, you cannot reduce it to a simple statement like that. It's much more complex. And Martin Luther King thought actually thought it was much more complex than that. And so part of critical race theory is exploring all the complexities, the nuances, um, the intricacies of how race and racism operates in society. And in, and for legal theorists, it's about how it operates in law, uh, within law. And then a third I already alluded to this, It's the analysis is really nuanced, really careful, and this fo- follows right from dealing with complex phenomena like race and racism. The analysis has to be nuanced. It has to be careful. It has to be uh, exploratory because you can't, you don't really know everything about, it's not something where you know everything about race, right, it's about something where it's race and racism constantly evolves over time and space. And so you, the, the analysis has to be nuanced and careful, not simplified, okay? And, by, and also by nuanced, I mean that uh, critical race theory says race is an important central component, right? It's, a, it's clearly a, a key component to how society operates and produces racial inequality, but not everything is always about race. Right. And I point out in the article, one critical race theorist, John Calmore, says we're not uh, critical race theory says doesn't say all inequalities are based on race that deal with people of color. No, it's saying that in any uh, given situation where there is inequality, it could be about race. And so you have to investigate and figure out, well, is there a racial component to certain inequalities? And so that's part of the nuanced analysis. It's investigatory, right? It investigates issues rather than having conclusions and imposes those conclusions on a set of facts. And then finally, um, the fourth theme is it's a nonviolent movement. It's a, it's about peace, right? It's, um, some of the characterization of critical race theory emphasizes it's kind of violent in nature, like you want to overthrow the social, uh, current social order. Um, critical race theory is... At heart, nonviolent, it's about community building, and it's even about things like friendship, empathy, solidarity. And if you look at the critical race series uh, articles, um, there isn't, it's not, I think people think, assume there's some kind of hostility, for example, Racial hostility to whites as white oppressors, racial oppressors, that's absolutely not true. It's really, um, it's kind of uh, critical race theory has morphed and evolved into a very kind of inclusive movement where it's about coalition building across, and this is where it's broader than race. It's about race, gender, class, um, sexual orientation, where it's about building coalitions to promote really social justice for all. So I would identify those four themes. And I think if you think about those four themes, they're hard to, uh, it's hard to demonize if you really get at what critical, the core themes of critical race theory. How can you demonize nonviolence, right? Uh, How did they demonize
3: it? What were the the pieces of it that were demonizable or what are the mischaracterizations that made Mm -hmm. it so?
2: They demonize it by one, not talking about critical race theory. They don't refer, I would venture that 99% of those people who criticize critical race theory have not read a single article that's actually critical race theory. Their understanding of critical race theory comes from Fox News. And so it's how Fox News have, has characterized critical race theory. And the reality- is the also yeah.
3: Dave, there's also Dave Chappelle's uh, defense of his own specials. He said, uh-huh. well, people are criticizing my specials. they re- re- watching my specials. But anyway, keep going.
2: Right. And so uh, critical race theory- um, they are able to demonize it by characterizing them on their own terms and then saying, look, how, look, look at what we say critical race theory is and look how bad it is. And so, for example, one of the th- themes about the critical race, anti-critical race theory uh, movement is that critical race theory is about labeling whites as racial, racial oppressors by virtue of being white and even white children as racial oppressors. There's nothing in critical race theory that says anything of that kind, where by virtue of being white, you are a racial oppressor. And what you does make you a racial
3: oppressor? Who, who is responsible? Mm-hmm. Uh, who is responsible? And what does make you, uh, what does make a person, uh, presumably a white person, yeah, uh, right. an oppressor?
2: Well, and that's the thing. Uh, most critical racers don't speak in that language of oppressor, oppression, and the oppressed. Um, and critical race theory would not focus on who's the oppressor and what makes that person oppressed. Critical race theory focuses in really on systems of racial inequality rather than individual actors who engage in oppression. And that's a mischaracterization, right? To think that critical race theory talks about oppressors and uh, the oppressed in that kind of way. It really does not. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to find an actual critical race theory article, especially in legal academia that t- uses that kind of language. Okay.
3: So give an, mm-hmm. give an example then of a system that critical race theory would, mm-hmm. ha- maybe even has discussed right. and how they went and how they analyzed it, right? So obviously mm-hmm. in the news, a ton has been assistance, of public safety and community mm-hmm. and community safety and police and police officers, the system of, 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 um, of criminal justice, uh, that is one area, but maybe we want to pick an entirely different one because it's, you know, maybe less emotionally charged for so many right. people. Uh, but yeah, give give an example of a system yeah. that might get theorized about critically in terms of race.
2: Transportation. Transportation is an issue that is promotes systemic inequalities that has promoted systemic inequalities. And you cannot really pick and say, well, this, these people are our fault. Okay, so for example... The highway system um, created by Dwight Eisenhower, the building of federal, uh, using federal money to build highways, roads, et cetera, a lot of decisions about where to place roads and highways was about, ended up destroying Black communities or segregating Black communities. And those effects of transportation inequality still exist today. There are communities still divided because of the way highways were constructed. And- that i consider a you know systemic inequality right it's not about individual actors who built roads in a particular way there were these for yeah, so the house i grew up room. in
3: no. Yeah, the house I grew up, my interruption. Uh, yeah, no problem. The, the house I grew up in was bought for, i uh, I'll use my neighbor. My uh, my neighbor's house—he bought on the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was able to get a fourplex, uh, also using the GI Bill. He has now retired. to The fourplex sold the house. I think he bought the first house for 50 grand. Sold it for like a million dollars, right? Used that money and and, and his entertainment—is entertainment? Excuse me, his retirement. Hopefully, some entertainment. But his retirement is now taken care of, not because there was some. Uh, Presumably, some particularly racist actor was trying to design a pathway for him to have a better, a better experience. And the people at the time he got it, at the time he got that, a black person literally could not get a loan in this neighborhood. Right. So, and 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 there are probably some racist people who are involved in that process. But you know, ultimately, they were drawing red lines, etc., mm-hmm. and just kind of following the following the rules the system laid down. Right. Uh, but there are families who don't live in this area. And there's, you know, my neighbor who gets to retire, you know, lived a middle-class life, but gets to retire very, very comfortably. Right. Yeah, and not because of somebody in a pointy white hat. Right.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what critical race theory focuses on. It's not about like attributing blame to individual whites. Absolutely not. And so uh, that's a mischaracterization of critical race theory, but I think people think that, right? And so the the uh, anti-critical race theory movement has been able to define critical race theory on their terms, using relying on disinformation. They basically made up and said, this is what critical race theory is about, even though it has really nothing to do with that. And then they've been able to demonize it in that particular way. And really, we, what you can think about the attack on critical race theory is really, a bro- like you said, it's a broader attack on anti-racism. A lot of the critiques of so-called critical race curriculum is not, even real, is, not, is not even critical race theory at all, right? It's just teaching history, the history of slavery, history of segregation. And people are opposed to that history, discussion, discussion of that kind of history. And that's not critical race theory. That's just teaching history. But they've demonized it and say it's about you teach that history, it makes white children feel discomfort, anguish, they feel guilty and that's a bad thing. And therefore, that's, and that's critical race theory. That's what critical race theory is about and it should be banned. So that's, that's how the demonization has occurred. It's not even attacking critical, really, it's not really addressing critical race. Critical race theory is just a name given to dealing, uh, to attacking really anything that deals with almost virtually anything that deals with race uh, in terms of history in particular. You analogize in your
3: article mm-hmm. that uh, critical race theory has become the 21st century Willie Horton. I, explain. I mean, I, we know that Willie Horton was a campaign right. tactic of the 1988 right. presidential election. Uh, George uh, Bush's mm-hmm. campaign manager Lee Atwater used that to explo- exploit exploit uh, race-based fears. Uh, he, he then um, uh, Lee Atwater uh, they, they ran those ads in that race. It's Credited with or discredited with being a decisive tool uh, in that presidential election, Atwater had his famous or maybe infamous, infamous deathbed apology, saying he really uh, regretted using race as as a divisive issue. Uh, why do you say? Feel free to add or subtract from any of the background I just gave. But why do you say, and why do you think it's justified to say that the current debate around critical race theory is like Willie Horton?
2: Yeah. Uh, one key reason for that connection is about politics. It's right. The use of Willie Horton was about getting George Bush re- uh, elected as president. And the s- demonization of CRT is a ca- really a campaign strategy to further the GOP's um, political um, goals, which is in, at the federal level to take back Congress Take back the senate take back the house the senate and then also the presidency and then at the local and just basically win as many elections as possible and so it's it's like willie horton because it's really a tool by conservatives uh, by uh, political conservatives to win elections and it's also similar because as you mentioned, right, it's about playing on racial fears. Willie Horton played on the racial fears of the dangerous Black man as a criminal who is um, dangerous and threatening to the interests of civilians, and white civilians in particular. And CRT is the racial boogeyman, right, today, say, here's the dangerous uh, Black ideology that is about um, not harming whites but it's maybe, maybe in fact you can think about it as it's really about harming whites and it's all, it's about portraying whites in a you're negative way. You're saying it light.
3: is about wait, wait what is about harming whites?
2: That they think that critical race theory and who's um, the
3: they you're saying the promulgators of some of a cons- yeah. uh, of a conservative mm-hmm. misinformation campaign
2: right. say that it is right threatening to whites and even maybe it's about harming the interests of whites because uh, one of the articles I've written by, by Chris Rufo, the main um, theorizer about regarding the uh, uh, anti-critical race theory movement talks about how critical race theory is about violently overthrowing the current social order. They're against the constitution, right? And then once again to power, they're gonna impose a totalitarian dictatorship based on furthering so-called anti-racist goals. That is about inflicting harm, right? They're portraying critical race theory as a threat to the well-being, the lives of uh, white specifically. So it's playing on that kind of fear.
3: You mentioned that mm-hmm. now, or I guess you mentioned a line, and then my mind thought a few other things. That uh, now, mostly across the uh, the political spectrum if such a thing exists. Mm -hmm. There is a, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is citable authority for a range of of voters, right? And so you said, so, okay, Martin Luther King said, I wanna be judged by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. And you said, but but actually Martin Luther King talked about more than that. And the challenge we have with racism in the United States is more than just that thing. Uh, Keep citing Martin Luther King. What was, what's the line that people are missing beyond the judging, beyond the individual trying to excise from ourselves mm-hmm. our, our our almost intrinsic racial right. biases, mm-hmm. and that ain't the only thing we got to deal with? What was right. Martin King talking about in a different stanza?
2: He was talking about systemic racial inequality. Uh, I would argue that if you had to characterize Martin Luther King in his writing – he would be very comfortable with critical race theory. If you read his, especially his later writings, a lot of it sounds it sounds like critical race theory, it's talking about systemic racism, talking about need for race conscious affirmative action to deal with that kind of racism, that no, you can't eliminate race, racism just by treating people, trying to focus on treating people by the content of the character. That's not enough. He even critiques white moderates for not doing enough for, to promote racial justice. So um, if you, so uh, you could do this test where you give people some passages written by Martin Luther King, but don't say it was written by Martin Luther King. And they would, I'm just, I think a lot of people who are already predisposed to be against critical race theory would say, oh, this is critical race theory. It's um, making white people feel guilty. It's about calling white people oppressors and that, but it Good would example? be Martin Luther King. Well, I can't speak, think of a specific, but for example, his, he has spoken and talked about white, critiquing white moderates who don't do enough, right, didn't do enough to promote racial equality, the civil rights movement. So you could give a statement about that. You could give a statement about um, his support of affirmative action, right, and talking about systemic inequality. Anything, any of those passages, you could give them, uh, things you've written about those topics, and people would, if they didn't know was Martin Luther King, dismiss it as critical race theory. And so that one line, right, does not not do justice to his body of work, his body of writing about race and racial inequality. It's a total distortion um, about Martin Luther King.
3: You are right that the attacks on Race theory is mm-hmm. more insidious than the campaign ads demonizing Willie Horton. Back that up.
2: Okay. One, the, one of the key reasons is at least Willie Horton, what happened with Willie Horton, their, that campaign, um, I think everyone recognizes now there's consensus with um, there's a lot of racism involved, right? Playing on racial fears. But one thing it was based on was actual truth actual facts there was no dispute that Willie Horton was a convicted felon. There was no dispute that he was serving life in prison. there was no dispute that he was on furlough and then he committed certain crimes while he was on furlough okay Critical race theory on the other hand is ba- what we've just been talking about based on misinformation, disinformation, mischaracterizations on based on falsehoods about what critical race theory is based essentially on big lies about critical race theory. And so it's a form of disinformation in a way that Willie Horton was not. Um, it was in certain ways, but not to the extent that the attack on critical race theory is. So that is my... Uh, that's why I called it a little more insidious than the Willie Horton attack because now it's part of a disinformation campaign. Um, it's prop- it's propaganda um, in a way that Willie Horton, the Willie Horton campaign was not. And then the other... In light of what happened with Virginia, the Virginia elections, um, I have another aspect to the insidiousness of the attack on critical race theory. And it's not maybe insidiousness is not the right word, but the power of this anti-CRT attack. It's more powerful, more influential than what happened with the Willie Horton campaign. And what happened with Virginia is an example of that. The key thing about Virginia that really surprised me, it surprised me, yeah, even though I had written my article, it's gonna be critical Racer is gonna be used as an election campaign tool to get GOP candidates elected. But in my article, I focused on how the critical racer attack would motivate and energize the base, the GOP base, the Trump voter, non-college educated whites. That's not what happened in Virginia. Those voters voted for um, Youngkin, but what critical race theory did was get college educated whites who voted for Biden to vote for Youngkin. Okay. Their polling data, both before and after the and exit polling data, would suggest Biden voters voted for Youngkin and critical, the attack on critical race theory had a big role in that. And so it's that what, That did that, like I said, that I didn't write about that aspect. I didn't think about uh, the anti critical race theory attack as being going to be able to motivate Biden Democrats, but it did. And that's even raised, should raise even more alarm bells for the Democrats to say, all right, uh, this thing has a life of its own. It needs to be countered. It needs to. There needs to be a much stronger, more aggressive response to critical to the attack on critical race theory. So that's my other argument for why it's more insidious and even more powerful. It's created. It's literally created a whole movement for on the right. It's it's really the anti-CRT movement. I call it, I keep calling it a movement because that's what it is. It's the new. T- it's a new version of the Tea Party. It's a 2020, ver- 2021, 2022 version of the Tea Party. Uh, the Tea Party, what the Tea Party was in 2009 after Obama's election. So that's my case. That's my argument.
3: So what should be the response?
2: So this is a part of the, uh, I did not write about this. This is, if I write a follow-up article, this is what I would focus on, the counter messaging that needs to be uh, engaged in by liberals, by Democrats to counter critical race. You cannot ignore it which is what uh, McAuliffe did in Virginia. He just tried to ignore it and just said, Youngkins is basically like Trump and that's why you should vote for me. Don't vote for him because he's Trump. That's it. And did not address the respond aggressively and counter message regarding critical race theory. That is what needs to be done now. An aggressive, effective counter messaging campaign to counter and to kind of debunk and kind of take the life out the steam out of the anti-critical race theory movement so that is what needs to be done and then yeah so
3: what's that yeah. counter that's what i'm asking you what, are the, what is the uh, counter message yeah it, no it even it even it even is it sort of interesting to me right if the that that the uh washington monthly prides mm-hmm. itself on being a truth-telling analytical journal right and it therefore it hesitates i presume mm-hmm. to uh offer prescriptions of how to ensure that the truth-based messaging um, had a chance to get its shoes on while lie-based messaging was making its way around the world, uh, which to me, I sort of put in the same, you know, for me, lazy bucket of somebody titling their academic movement without too much thought of of how it might actually impact the public policy debate, even though if you're writing a... Uh, set of R V articles. All you're doing is trying to impact the, pl- the public policy debate, right? Yeah, you're mm-hmm. doing that in ac- academic setting, but that's still all you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You you might persuade a judge, and you might persuade a legislator, and you might persuade somebody in their staff. That's all you're doing, right? You're not you're not going to win a Nobel Prize and an invent a you know an, an, invent a new widget that does that thing. All you're doing is lobbying human beings, but with lots of words and footnotes instead of a few words and clicks. Right. Uh, the uh, so I still right I I still have a I have a grumpiness. My favorite people are uh, include uh, academic elites, and I have some grumpiness with them because mm-hmm. the, that I haven't yet figured out how to come to grips with rhetorically or even emotionally. I haven't talked to yeah. a coach or a therapist or even give a guest, right. but a little right. bit of grumpiness. They think it's somebody else's job mm-hmm. to figure out how we're actually going to have a pro-democracy set of conversations. How are we actually going to have a society that relies on... I, I have the same some of the same overlapping frustration with journalists. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, well, it's going to be somebody else's job. Right. And, and my question is, whose job is it? Whose job is it to make sure that uh, the critical race theory isn't something that ends up in a mischaracterized fashion, shifting what's a, what kids are actually going to be able to you know, impact actually school funding? Right. I mean, that right, right. now there's going to be real impacts on what happens in the state of Virginia. Whose job is it to deal with that? So I ask you, sir, what should be the counter messaging?
2: OK, so a couple of things like one, who's who's doing who's got to, who's got the responsibility, right, to do the counter messaging. And here's the thing. I would agree to some of your critique that the I wouldn't call them elites, right? I wouldn't call us elites, but academics, liberal academics may have been too insular in terms of their audience and who they're speaking to and their language. Okay. And they need to expand because you're absolutely right. Critical race theory wants to change policies, right? Want to make policy reform, real change. And so, in order to do that, you got to expand in terms of who your audience um, might be. Okay. And here's what the right does that the left doesn't do, which is take their academics, their intellectuals, and make them part of the more political um, landscape make them part of the um, a big part actually of getting the, politi- the you know the conservative politicians whatever elected to make it to make intellectualism political and they have foundations think tanks devoted that clearly have a political aim like the heritage foundation Cato Institute Manhattan Institute where it's not just about the uh, the um, objective academic pursuit of knowledge and truth. No, there are those think, think tanks have these political goals in mind. There is no liberal version of that, of those kinds of think tanks. And I think we do need them, the liberals. You need liberal versions where you meld in the academic theory with political public policy, put them together, and you generate scholarship, academia, which is geared towards the general public, which is geared towards political ends, political goals. And I think uh, I, that's exactly right. I think your critique is, makes, is valid, right? And that, that's what um, liberal academics need to do. And so I mentioned uh, Kim Crenshaw's think tank, I think, is trying to do that. So there's some movement, but we, don't, we need a, a ver, liberal version of the Heritage Foundation. We don't have that yet. And we need to construct and create that.
3: Yeah, there are a number of challenges. One of them is how do you pay for it. Right? Yeah, so if you're right. uh, that, that we don't live, if, if what we're worried about, even, even using the terms right and left, which I try to avoid, because I think that too is a construct and not particularly a helpful one. If we're thinking in terms of trying to make democracy work, trying to figure right. out how lots of people can live in a place together and have that place be a little bit better rather than a lot worse, uh, that, that as soon as you, that even the language I would describe that seems to matter, but part of the challenge we have in strategizing in favor of democracy is this thought that are somehow symmetrical, uh, symmetrical uh, power structures in place so all the left mm-hmm. doesn't do it. Well, there isn't, there, there is not an outfit here. Here are a few things that I've got to put out there. So there is not an alternative to Fox News. Right. If you people right. will cite news outlets that are not Fox News, they are not the equivalency. Mm-hmm. And one right. of the challenges they have that is that Fox News has and an advantage the Republican party has now is it is more monotheistic um, more monochromatic it is. It more resembles a market that would be go, that would be pursued by marketers than anything that is a different political party. Let's take the Democratic Party, which part of its nature is that it is multicultural. Right, that it is that it is not what if you look at Fox News viewers, they skew older, they skew vastly wider, and they right. skew vastly more Christian. Right, that is the Fox News viewer, and so you can say, okay, we're going to make all of them feel warm and cozy, and we are right. going to uh, lobby that group, and that group is also going to be majority of the Republican Party, and it has some coherence and it has some built-in integrity. I don't mean that word in terms of honesty. If you try to do that same thing with a polyglot collection of human beings. It's a little different. Right. You don't mm-hmm. have you don't have the same. Uh, you don't have that same messaging cohesion. Uh, another built in challenge. Right. Which is why I do put right. the I do put the responsibility to any listener. I put the responsibility to anybody I speak to. I put the responsibility on myself to any person involved in this stuff that in anybody's jobs so has got to be all of our jobs to have a discussion that is worthy of a democracy. And it's not just, oh, well, the Democrats should do blank. Who are those people? Right There is not the same set of funders. If you have a if you know, you go if, I used to attend, I was I was picked as the representative for my state to attend a, 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 a teaching session for legislators training that. If you looked at the people who paid for that, it was large business organizations that had, uh business before the legislature now they didn't come in and do ads for cargill they didn't do ads for uh for fossil fuels right except for the fact that it was on the program right but it had some impact there isn't an equivalent for like i will do this and make no money doing it well who's going to do it then Right? If I lobby in order to get a no-bid contract, well, then it makes sense. If I give a big financial contribution because I get a tax cut, it makes financial sense. The, the uh, philanthropic donors who give actually when it might even cost them money because it actually might increase their taxes, that's a harder thing to find. Forgive my soapboxing, right. uh, but I think it's got to be all of our jobs. Uh, USA Today op-ed, hard pivot forgive it, suggested that Asian Americans have a target on their back due to critical race theory. I'm not even sure if you saw it. I only saw it because it was forwarded to me uh, by uh, by somebody who helps out on this show and thanks for doing that. Uh, is, that a, is that a fair and accurate claim? And if so, say more about it or push yeah. back on it?
2: Yeah, absolutely not. It is, makes, it's not a fair claim. It, it's, it's, again, it's more disinformation. Uh, critical race theory, one of the founding... Critical race theory is is Asian American Mari Matsuda, and uh, she is highly supportive of Asian American and Asian American issues. Critical race theory is very supportive of Asian American issues. It's not, there is no real, there's no anti-Asian bias in critical race theory. It's completely, absolutely fabricated. There's even a thing called Asian Crit, an offshoot of critical race theory focused on Asian American issues. There have been critical race theorists who focus on the systemic discrimination that Asian Americans have experienced historically and currently, issues regarding Asian Americans being treated as a perpetual foreigner or uh, being used as a model minority um, to further really conserve veins. There's been heavy a lot of theorization about that. Um, And since there was a seminal article in 1993 published by Robert Chang, which talks about an Asian American critical race scholarship. So it is not – just to say it's anti-Asian makes absolutely no sense at all. I think the reason – the one reason why that uh, attack has some resonance is because most political race theorists are not opposed to affirmative action for underrepresented groups. And Asian Americans – some Asian Americans – Think affirmative action should be abolished because it hurts uh, Asian American applicants, you know, getting into Harvard or whatnot. But that's that's a policy dispute that people have. But that doesn't because you support affirmative action doesn't mean you're anti-Asian or you have anti-Asian bias. I wrote a recent Washington just uh, just came out Washington Monthly article about this particular issue by Asian Americans and the affirmative action debate, and it's not a critical race theory piece, but one of the p- points I make is that I fully acknowledge the existence of anti-Asian bias and discrimination, especially with the violence. And since the uh, pandemic, it's real. And the, re- and the p- reality that a- anti-Asian sentiment may fact, af- admissions uh, decisions at elite colleges. I totally, I fully acknowledge that in my piece. And I also say, but I'm not against affirmative action for underrepresented groups. There's discrimination against Asian Americans that has nothing to do with providing uh, opportunities for underrepresented groups. It's just flat out, Asian Americans have a harder time than whites getting into some of these schools. That's just discrimination against Asian Americans, this fear of too many Asians, uh, et cetera. So it it does involve just this flat out, not wanting having too many Asians at Harvard. It's just discrimination against Asian Americans, not about affirmative action. So in other words, uh, Harvard would not want too many Asians, regardless of whether affirmative action existed or not. Okay, so I make that point, right? I can be, I can acknowledge anti Asian racism, but still support affirmative action, and that doesn't make me anti Asian. So, so that's my point. That's it's, uh, it really I, I is from, more yeah, disinformation. Yeah.
3: I'm not okay. wanting to cut you off, but uh, so the, as I think about, and we're going to be jumping around a little bit. At sure. Now, either apologies or, or you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> So I think about even the academic. So a couple of thoughts. One, like even just early on, said, so, oh, we're gonna have a conference on this. What are we gonna call it? Well, what do we call it? You know, principled equality theory, right? And and we're gonna have discussions about and write papers about how do we actually have a uh, how do we actually have a set of discussions that are around the principles of equality? Right. Well, that's a really different thing. Okay, so that's just a little plug. But then I also go the second thought, again, nonlinear, forgive me, is if you uh the academic-based thinker, and here's why where I, where I will praise them, uh the, the academic thinker, and that's and this is and this is not this sh- show is not called democracy clickbait, it's called democracy nerd. So we're in favor, we're in favor of the people who get who get deep. In fact, that's where my curiosity goes. Uh, but the the person to try to publish a paper, right? You've published a bunch of stuff. I publish a little bit of stuff. Uh if you start with an idea, or you tend to start with an idea, then you try to figure out the evidence around that idea. It, it, it hopefully is a hypothesis, not even a theory, right? Hopefully, it is something you're willing to shift your idea after you've received evidence, and then you, uh, and then you guard that evidence, then you reach a conclusion, right? So that's how a that's how a scientist, even a even a social scientist, would would approach, roughly speaking, a topic. If you are the propagandistic theorist, if you are the um, Oh, and then I got to bounce. Uh, if you are the power-based thinker, then you start with the symbol, you start with the conclusion. Well, let's just say you start with a, with an object, a political objective and then you create a symbol. You say, we will now uh, define that symbol for a bunch of people. And then we'll be able to uh, attach that symbol to anybody who's ever been near that symbol. And that is a major tool of the propagandist. I at least wanted to flag that but i'm realizing that we are we are out of time uh so uh, so i want you to respond to that or give your give your final thoughts and what are you tracking what people what should be people tracking next
2: well back to the messaging counter messaging is absolutely essential and i think you're right that we need critical race theory needs to be translated i think the language of critical race theory makes sense given its academic context but for it to have real world impact to deal with real world political consequences you have to translate it into language that people can understand the general audience the person in peoria and the mess that is actually what i'm working on right now is developing the counter messaging to well let's talk
3: about when risk. you've done that let's let's, let's okay let's talk let's right. do this again giving my stutter let's talk again when you've talked about that because i'd be curious
2: yeah absolutely Reginald it's COO, hard but i'll do it Law, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure it's hard.
3: I sure it's hard. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time today. We Hope to talk to you again.
2: All right, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks everybody. All right. Good show. All,
3: All right. right, are we That's done? So thanks a bunch. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah welcome. we're done. I got okay. I got I got to run away, but thanks a bunch everybody.
2: Okay. okay. All right. All right, thank you.
0: Thank you, Reggie. Welcome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>